At Boost Mobile, you get the power of the iPhone SE when you switch, which means the power to stream your favorite shows, download all the music, the power to FaceTime your ex. It's over. Stop calling me. On second thought, don't call your ex. Switch now and get an iPhone SE for $0, all on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Excluding tax. Additional restrictions apply. 5G not available everywhere. See BoostMobile.com for details. And stop calling your ex. She doesn't want to hear from you anymore. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey, everybody. It's Lowe's. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I hope you've had a great time. How are you doing, Mung? Good. I've still got uh, a lot of turkey left over, so oh, I'm good, working man. through that. And um, not yeah, quite I sick listen- of it just yet. No, no, no. I took heed of your uh, of your advice, dribbled a little bit of water on my turkey. Oh my goodness. You reheat that 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 puppy tastes just like just like brand new. Yeah, got to keep it moist especially for those uh dry breast pieces. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Exactly what it was. And it was delicious. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that we're past Thanksgiving. Christmas is right around the corner and <sighs> You know, we're almost done with the fantasy regular season. One more week to go. Yep. I've been thankful that the NFL season has continued as it has thus far. But, Mung, we are hitting some roadblocks. Uh, week uh, week, 12, uh, week 13 is uh, really starting to get shaken up a bit. Yeah, week 12 was weird, and I'm sure week 13 will be as well. I know that in a lot of my leagues, uh, I've got four or five teams all hovering around that six and six mark or maybe you know seven and five record five and seven trying to battle for that final playoff spot or two so it's a crucial week for a lot of fantasy teams out there we're going to talk tonight about some players who may not have much name value but could net you a pivotal week 13 win to get you into the playoffs and then maybe some big names to consider benching in week 13 uh unless they screw you out of a playoff spot win and get in baby yeah, and uh, it's time to, you know, really get it done. This is that final regular season week. Uh, if you're in the playoffs, you got a shot at it. And uh, hopefully your teams are all thriving right now because if you guys like making prop bets, Thrive Fantasy is perfect for you. Offering DFS style contests where you pick 10 out of 20 prop bets each week and compete against other players on how many you get right. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under. The more you pick correctly, the more points you score, helping you to place and win money. There's over $12,000 guaranteed for the Sunday contest each week. And if you use our promo code ADDICTS, that's A-D-D-I-C-T-S, when you sign up for an account, you're going to receive an instant match of up to $50 credited to your account with a minimum $20 deposit. Check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, or you can play at thrivefantasy.com. Whew, certainly been an interesting year, but a fun year. And any way you can add more, uh, more, uh, more pl- games that you're playing with, uh, with each and every week, each and every day of the week is all for the better. Yeah, and uh, you know it's going to be an interesting week for sure. We've had a lot of chaos. We've had wide receivers playing quarterback. We've had we've got Wednesday night football this wow. week. Knock on wood, hopefully. Um, but yeah, so with Baltimore versus Pittsburgh pushed back to uh, Wednesday afternoon, 
we do not have a Thursday game this coming week. And the first right. is going to be right at Sunday at that usual noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And the first match appears New Orleans at Atlanta. And, you know, Taysom Hill starting at quarterback has really shaken up the Saints offense a little bit. Over the last two games, though, Michael Thomas has had a 46% target share with Taysom Hill. He's averaging over eight targets per game. But sadly, you know, the circle of life here over that same span, Alvin Kamara has seen just three targets in the passing game and has caught just one for negative two yards. Los, how nervous are you if you're heading into the fantasy playoffs with Alvin Kamara? It's sort of a twofold question. If I've got a win here to get into the playoffs, I'm uh, I'm nervous. If I don't have a first round by locked, I'm pretty darn nervous because he's getting some rushing work. Obviously, the team is rushing a ton. They rushed the ball 30 plus times this week. Uh, 19 rushes for uh, I think it was 19 for Murray, 11 for Kamara, and then another 10 for uh, Hill. But he has zero receiving upside, and that's really what's been uh, pumping up Alvin Kamara the past three years with those 81 receptions each year. He is certainly not going to hit this mark here. Uh, I'm worried. How about you? Yeah, I I mean, you can't bench Kamara, but at the same time, he's more of a, would you say, touchdown-dependent RB2 right now rather than a top-five option? He certainly becomes one, and with uh, Latavius Murray showing his ability to score two touchdowns this past week, I'm not saying that he's going to get vultured or that's going to happen every week, but the the uh, the uh, chance certainly is there. I'm more concerned about Taysom Hill vulturing sure. and touchdowns than Latavius yeah. Murray, to be honest here. Uh, of course, if you have Taysom Hill, um, if you've been streaming him, he has another great matchup here against Atlanta, although it could be a higher scoring matchup for both sides this time. It sounds like there's a possibility that both Julio and Todd Gurley could return for this game, which would yeah. make it a much closer game. To me, the return of Julio matters a heck of a lot more than Todd Gurley. The backfield was ugly before, with, and after Todd Gurley. Uh, if he misses again, it does look like Edo Smith is getting some more of that valuable passing work, but I just do not love the rushing game here. As we've talked about, Todd Gurley has been inefficient. He's had his day saved by having those rushing touchdowns, which, of course, are spotty, but uh, he's he's been making it happen throughout the season. So if he's back, you certainly cannot bench him here, despite the tough matchup against the New Orleans rush defense. And <clears throat> like we've seen every single week, if Julio's there, Looks like you can start Matt Ryan and the rest of the pass catchers. If not, well, obviously you're starting Ridley, but just expect a little less out of him. Start Hooper, but expect a little less out of him. Just Julio makes this whole team click. Yeah, I, I will say, though, you know, we talked about Gurley as a sell earlier in the season. And if he does miss, I agree that Ito Smith is probably uh, the better option here, being more involved as a pass catcher. But I don't think Todd Gurley is a must start, even if he does play. We don't know no. if he's going to be on some sort of snap count. He's really a touchdown dependent flex, I would say. It is hard to rely on backup options, and it's hard, especially this year with all the injuries and craziness and coronavirus. It, it, it's hard to say that if Gurley's healthy to sit him, it, it really depends on what you have on your team. If you uh, were a smart guy, unlike me, and were able to have James Robinson very uh, late on your roster or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not buying this resurgence of the Falcons defense after they embarrassed the Raiders here. I, I feel fine starting the Saints options. And uh, real quick, uh, I will take the Saints here, but I just wanted to shout out Youngway Koo, who could be a league winner at the kicker position. 
He sure could. Uh, I will also take uh, New Orleans, and I will echo Young Waku as a kicker, as a K-1 this week. Yeah, you know, we don't really go into, uh, excuse me, we don't really go into kickers on our waiver wire section, but I will say that he's only 83% rostered in ESPN and 80% in Yahoo. So he's out there. Maybe it's because Julio's been injured. I mean, if anything, that just means more field goals and fewer touchdowns, right? It's a fair point. It's a fair point. All right, we're both taking the Saints here. The next game up is going to be Detroit at Chicago, and we could finally see Kenny Galladay back. Uh, It sounds like DeAndre Swift had a chance to play on Thanksgiving and should be back here as well. Uh, The addition of those two would be a huge boost to this previously stagnant Lions offense that really struggled to score and move the ball against Houston. I'd probably still avoid Stafford here in a tough matchup against the Bears secondary, but you know, even with Galladay's return, I'd still be starting TJ Hawkinson for sure. Yeah, I, I agree there. For me, it's just uh, it's just Galladay and Hawkinson. Um, if Galladay's out, I expect a little better out of Hawkinson. You could consider Marvin Jones, but I would do my best to avoid him. Um, the, the Chicago defense is better than they showed this past week against Green Bay. Uh, they get down early. Uh, Mitch put him in some bad positions with some terrible turnovers. I think there were four turnovers. I don't, I could be wrong off the top of my head. Um, and if Swift is back uh, to me, that just cuts apart the running back situation even more, not starting any of the three backs here in Chicago. I think Swift is an okay flex uh, just because, you know, he does get involved as a pass catcher. So he's got an okay PPR floor. Um, But I do agree. Marvin Jones becomes riskier. If Galladay's back, he's more of a boomer bust wide receiver four. right on the Bears side here. A real quick stat per pro football focus. Allen Robinson has not dropped a pass in his last 15 games. So a good stat. Yeah, so hopefully next year he's going to go to a team with a real quarterback. But for right now, he's a fine wide receiver, too, because even with the struggles at quarterback, whether it's Trubisky or Foles, he's seeing the target volume, and that's really keeping his fantasy production afloat. And then worth mentioning, too, David Montgomery has a great fantasy playoff schedule. He's a solid volume-based RB, two from here on out. Why can't he stay on the Bears and the Bears bring him a real quarterback? I mean, it's possible, but it doesn't sound like uh, they're close to a contract right now. So, and it's very possible too that the Bears are going to have a, a new GM to negotiate with by, you know, New Year's Day. I would say. You know who else doesn't have a contract? Dak Prescott. It's true. I mean, it could happen, but uh, you know, we'll see. I'm sure there will be a lot of teams in that uh, Dak Prescott lottery, right? Yeah, well, there certainly will. Uh, nothing to add about about the players. It's it's just Robinson and Montgomery. Sounds good to me. It's uh, this is a tough call. I think both teams are struggling right now, and really for me, I'm leaning Detroit for a couple reasons. One, the return of Galladay and Swift, and then two, you know, we saw the Texans get a little shot of life after they fired Bill O'Brien, and I'm I'm thinking maybe Detroit does too with Matt Patricia gone. Could be, could be. I'll uh, take the Bears at home though. I could see this going either way. All right. Next game up Cleveland at Tennessee. Since Nick Chubb returned from injury, he's been phenomenal, but just food for thought. His snap share has still remained pretty low. He's played 43, 45 and 61% of the snaps uh, since returning and hunt over those three games has played 58, 54 and 42% of the snaps. So still a very even split here. All that said, Chubb is running 
like a man possessed. He could be a league winner with matchups against the Ravens, the Giants, and the Jets in weeks 14 through 16. And all these teams are susceptible to the run. This week should be a great game to watch with Chubb against Derrick Henry on the other side. Totally and utterly fine with me. If you've made your way into the playoffs, you don't want Chubb getting overworked right now. Let Hunt be in the game. Totally fine. And Chubb will, you can ride him to a championship. It's either going to be Chubb or Derrick Henry, basically. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure a lot of teams are going to be riding Derrick Henry to a championship as well. We're getting late in the season where the Titans start leaning on him even more. Could be a league winner. We mentioned the good matchups for Nick Chubb, but Derrick Henry gets the Jaguars, the Lions, and the Packers in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, Pretty cakewalk matchup for opposing running backs. Corey Davis has also been playing well, though, which unfortunately means inconsistent target share for Johnny Smith put up a zero burger this past week against the Colts. So with the Titans likely to lean heavily on the run down the stretch here, Johnny Smith is more of a, you know, high end tight end too, kind of touchdown dependent. You know, I don't even think I'd put him there to be honest. He, it looked like he was third. I mean, he was third in the target share of the tight ends alone on the team this week, which to me is really worrisome. Uh, I don't know if there's something in the back scenes, uh, you know, you never know. These, these are, these are businesses. These are companies. They're, they're more than just football teams. So there's always a lot more going on than meets the eye. But for John o. Smith to be third in the in the pecking order behind Swaim and Ferkser really just makes you scratch your head a little bit. Yeah, I think that was more just because the Titans want to lean on the run. So those two are better at blocking than Smith. So off the play action. You know, those guys are going to be on the field rather than the passing down situations with John. I don't know that he's you know, he's upset anyone in okay. management per se. Well, if, yeah, I, I wasn't, you know, you just never know. Um, but, but either I, way, I, I mean, if he's not on the off. field, then, you know, right. he might as well, right? Can't catch the football if you're not on the field. And at most teams, I would say, uh, if you're going to pick one of the two to be more successful, I, I think they'd be picking Corey Davis over Janu Smith nine times out of ten. Yeah. And just real quick, I am going to take the Titans here, but I think they're just a weird team where if they get hot, yes. they would be my dark horse to make it to the Super Bowl. Totally agree that we saw them uh, take out Baltimore in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, I'm not going to ever bet against Patrick Mahomes, but still, you know, if Derrick Henry somehow controls the game, just one bad turnover by like, you know, a Clyde Edwards, Alaire fumble or a interception somehow off a bounce to tip pass or something. Right. Right. I'm also taking Tennessee here. I do think it's worth mentioning uh, Mm -hmm. on the Cleveland side to die to, to run it back real quick. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not buying into the Javon, uh, the uh, LaRon Landry day here. Uh, Touchdown eight, uh, eight receptions. I think that was his first touchdown on the year. Don't let somebody else play him. Yeah, I don't mind it against Tennessee. Uh, the danger is it could be very run heavy on both sides, but you know, with Tennessee projecting, it could there could be some you know catch up potential in the second half for Landry. So he's a high upside wide receiver three or flex for me. Yeah, to me, I, to me, is a complete avoid. This this is a game where Hunt got one target and the tight ends did absolutely nothing. So I I, I think that reverts a little back to the norm. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. It'll just, uh, I think game script will have a lot to factor in here. Sure. All right. On to the next one. All right. Cincinnati and Miami is the next game and the Bengals were predictably awful with Joe Burrow out against the giants. 
I really think, you know, Giovanni Bernard, he's just an RB4 right now. Boyd mm-hmm. and Higgins, boomer bust, wide receiver fours. There's just not much to be excited about with Brandon Allen under center here. Yeah, you, you take away Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon, and this team just doesn't seem anywhere near as fun. And that's a pretty big loss for the league, actually. Uh, two electric, exciting players. Joe Burrow, just like Justin Herbert, was was really putting together a nice season here. Uh, Miami's a tough matchup. I see zero upside here. Uh, Higgins, Boyd, our flex plays. I'd, I'd try to avoid Bernard, even though he's the workhorse here. Yeah, like I said, if you're desperate, RB4. Um, On the other side here, we're going to see if Tua's thumb is healed enough for him to return this week. But whoever starts a quarterback is going to be a solid streamer against this Bengals secondary. Um, I do think that whoever starts is going to affect Devontae Parker if it's Tua. Mm -hmm. I like Parker as a wide receiver three. And if it's Fitzpatrick locking on to his boy, I like Parker more as a strong wide receiver two with upside here. You've got it exactly right. Something about Fitzpatrick also makes Mike Gesicki perform at a higher level as well. Just something to keep an eye on. Um, As for the running backs, somewhat surprising was the touch totals for the running backs with Matt Breida trailing DeAndre Washington. Uh, So just keep an eye on the backfield availability this week. We don't know if Gaskin or Ahmed are going to be back. Um, If either of them are, are, they are great starts. If both of them are back, I think Gaskin will be the workhorse regardless. Yeah, it sounds like they just hate Matt Breda, no matter who else their other options are. Um, But it does sound like uh, Gaskin is trending up to return this week. So I I do like him as a back end RB2 if he's back. It's really, it's just, you know, that's just the ebb and flow of the NFL. It's just interesting to me. They went out of their way to acquire both Breda and Jordan Howard. Howard is, Howard was cut and Ahmed and Gaskin were either a undrafted free agent or added as a free agent, right? Yeah. So, you know, Jordan Howard and Matt Breda was the debate preseason and turns out the answer was neither. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So we're both taking the Dolphins here, I assume. You got it, dude. All right. Next game up here, Jacksonville at Minnesota. Mike Levin surprisingly kept things pretty close against the Browns, Mm -hmm. even with DJ Shark and Chris Conley both out. We'll see if either of those guys can return this week. Shark had the rib injury, Conley the hip injury. Um, If so, Shark would be a solid, viable flex against this Viking secondary. And also keep in mind, there's a possibility that Gardner Minshew could be back from his thumb injury. So there's a lot of moving pieces here in Jacksonville to monitor this week. Certainly are. If both miss, if everything stays equal, Colin Johnson led the team eight targets, four catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. A little fluky for a guy you've never heard the name of before, but if everything stays equal, he did lead the team in targets. And if you're desperate, what more can you cling to than uh, than a Jacksonville backup wide receiver, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not crazy because the narrative is Glennon's second string and Colin Johnson. And strings exactly. so they have some chemistry, right? Precisely. We we see it all the time. That's what led to the breakout of Robbie Anderson when he uh, saw the field after being, um, I think he was an undrafted free agent, uh, came in to the league four years ago when, uh, when he was on the field with Christian Hackenberg, I think. Oh, man, that's a throwback. <laughs> yeah, there we go. No, it got to be three years. It can't be four. No, it's four years, isn't it? I'm getting old, man. Yeah, I think so, because he... Uh, his second contract, right? Yeah, you're right. Wow. It's, uh, we're, we're getting old. Hey, I'm thankful for healthy, safe aging. <laughs> 
All right, uh, let's move on to the Minnesota side here. Kirk Cousins, uh, it might shock you to he's been the number eight quarterback in fantasy over the last four weeks. So you could do worse at quarterback if you've got Brady or Bridgewater on by this week or if you've been streaming quarterbacks. And if Adam Thielen remains on that COVID list, Chad Beebe and Ola B.C. Johnson, I mean, they're just desperation guys, but, you know, they have upside against this Jacksonville secondary that's in shambles. We saw that 143 yard and a touchdown day for Jarvis Landry. So plenty to go around here if Thielen remains out. Of course, you're starting Jefferson. And worth noting, too, that there's no concern as of right now on Dalvin Cook playing. Um, he did have that ankle injury, but he was able to come back in that game. It sounds like it's minor, but but all fantasy GMs with Cook on their roster should have Madison rostered just in case. No question about it. Uh, I'll take a minor victory lap. Uh, I wasn't on the podcast last week, but I did target Kyle Rudolph as a sneaky floor play with Irv Smith missing. He handled that role quite admirably. If Irv's gone again, Kyle Rudolph should do quite well against Jacksonville yet again as a sneaky floor play. But we just don't know with the with the with the guidelines exactly seeming to be different for every team, every town, every player. Uh, pretty frustrating. All right, so I'm going to take the Vikings at home. Yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings. Dalvin Cook to run away with this one. <laughs> Hopefully, if uh, if his workload isn't monitored, we'll see. Right. Something something to, I mean, you're not benching Cook, but just worth monitoring, right? Absolutely. Unfortunately, I've lost a little bit of faith in Madison after uh, after spending big in my fab, uh, adding him earlier in the season for that game. Cook was out and him doing absolutely nothing. But I, I ought to let bygones be get bygones. Yeah, I mean, he's got the opportunity, but certainly the talent is uh, on different levels. Yeah, absolutely. And Jacksonville has, has not much of a defense, so so could be one to keep an eye on here. Okay, so we're picking Minnesota. All right, uh, moving on to the Raiders at the Jets. Of course, the Raiders imploded against the Falcons. Nathan Peterman actually outscored Derek Carr in fantasy this week. Carr had a total of 0 0.60 fantasy points, so... Do I feel confident going back to car this week? Absolutely not. But I expect okay. old school oh, John Gruden. <laughs> well, I will say, though, I expect old school John Gruden here to chew out the entire team, come up with a game plan to bounce back against the Jets here. So I don't yeah. hate Carr as a streamer. Um, it also sounds like Josh Jacobs luckily just has a minor ankle sprain. The x-rays were negative. Um, so he could play against the Jets here. But again, Devontae Booker worth an ad just in case. Yeah, with just Bridgewater and Brady mixing this week because of the bye, I don't know that you're going to have to stream Derek Carr, but certainly the opportunity is there for you. Um, I'm not too concerned about this Jets defense, though. I, I feel the exact same way. While I'm not interested necessarily in starting Carr, I, I think you can go back to Aguilar and Ruggs uh, in the flex. I, I do think they have some upside there. Yep, certainly don't mind it. Um... On the Jets side here, Frank Gore could be a worthwhile flex Devontae play. Booker, I think, is probably worth talking about. Yeah, I mentioned he's worth an ad. What about him? Well, Josh Jacobs did come out with that ankle, so he's probably more than worth an ad. Yeah, but as I said, it sounds like it's minor, so I don't know that he's okay. going to miss time. But certainly, you know, if you have Jacobs, you should be adding Booker just in case. Yes, you certainly should. I'd start him over Frank Gore, that's for sure. 
yes, I would. But uh, you know, <laughs> depending on your options, you might you might be down to Gore. Uh, yeah. In some leagues where running backs are scarce on the waiver wire, so Heck, Gore, I think, down uh, there, right? Yeah, I mean, 87-year-old Frank Gore uh, with LaMichael Pirine on IR here. Uh, you know, the production wasn't great against the Dolphins, but Gore was a workhorse. He got the bulk of the carries and a lot of passing down work, too. So, really, you know, given the state of running backs right now, Gore could be somebody's RB2 in the fantasy playoffs. I, I hate that I'm going to say this, but there's some very high-risk reward Let's call it middling upside with Mims and Perriman, but I don't know which one it's going to be. But the Raiders secondary has holes in it, and and either one of them could score two deep touchdowns this game. Yeah, I, I have them listed both as desperation wide receiver yeah. fours. You know, if you have no better options, they have no floor, but certainly high ceilings here. Yeah, Crowder has been hurt a little bit, uh, not from an injury standpoint, but with uh, Mims really getting himself on the field and Perriman being there a little more consistently, that that has taken a chunk out of Crowder's value. Yeah, and I remain the, or excuse me, I expect the Jets to remain uh, with their perfect loss record in their tank for Trevor. I will take the Raiders. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Um, problem is they're going to draft a offensive guard or something instead, though. <laughs> would not shock me if Adam Gase is still there, but right? we'll see about that one. Um, you know, it, I'm this conspiracy theory, but you know, what if Adam Gase has like some weird contract clause in, uh, you know, in his current deal where if they get Trevor, he gets a bonus. So, you know, you know, it, it could be there, you know, stranger things have been written into contracts. That's for sure. And even outside of the contract, they, you know, under the table deals, things like that, you know? Yeah. Real quick, minor non-fantasy note. It was reported, you know, Gase said after the game, after the loss to Miami that, you know, cause he gave up the play calling duties right. a couple weeks ago, supposedly right. that, you know, it's some mix between him and the other coaches, but he doesn't want to say because it's a competitive advantage. <laughs> I think this guy's just got to be having fun with the NFL at this point. He just, he can't make it up. (laughs) Truly amazing. Truly amazing. Well, whatever competitive advantage he's, he's holding on to, he's, uh, he's not cashing in on it. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll move on from Adam Gase to the other end of the coaching spectrum here with Frank Reich. Uh, Colts at the Texans is the next game here. It does sound like Jonathan Taylor tested negative for COVID after his girlfriend tested positive. So he should be back this week and just in time for a wonderful matchup against the Texans defense that allows the second most fantasy points to opposing running backs, including that two touchdown day to Adrian Peterson on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Jonathan Wilkins did not do anything to instill any confidence in him. So, so we certainly should be see Jonathan Taylor walk right back into his prior role. Uh, Naeem Hines had another 10 targets in the three quarters of garbage time that they played this past week. So his, his usage is always worrisome. You know, he can show up, he can go away, but I do expect Indianapolis to sort of move at will on Houston. So I'm I'm not expecting this to be a big Heinz week, I guess, which I guess means I'm leaning into Jonathan Taylor, but I'm afraid to. I can't lie. Yeah, I, and I will say, you know, I'm I'm really disappointed because I gained one game in our pick'em taking Tennessee, where you took Indianapolis, but mm-hmm. you know it evened out because Carolina, who I picked, missed that last second field goal where they right. should have beat the Vikings, but eh, debatable. 
<laughs> okay, Sarah, Sarah, I guess. <laughs> um, worth noting too, though, uh, a down performance from Michael Pittman against uh, the Titans, but his target share actually increased in that game. Yeah. He saw nine targets, second on the team. So he's still a solid boomer bust flex option this week with wide receiver two upside down the stretch if he can solidify that role as the number one guy for the Colts. Yeah, I like him here. And T.Y. Hilton made a rare appearance in the box score, but um, not worth adding if he's dropped or starting if he's rostered. Yeah, I mean, if you're desperate, he's a fine wide receiver for like Mims or Perriman. You know, he has upside against those Texans, excuse me, Texans secondary. But again, you know, certainly not uh, relying on him, depending no. on your options. No. All right. On the Houston side here, a surprise announcement earlier tonight. Uh, Will Fuller suspended yeah. for six games for PED Jeez. usage. And I immediately got a message uh, from one of my group chats on Twitter that now it really makes sense that Fuller, you know, has stayed healthy up until right. now. And, you know, it's sad. Ho hopefully, you know, all the best to Fuller. But uh, this is certainly going to be a hit to Deshaun Watson's fantasy value. You can drop Fuller, of course, and redraft. And this helps Brandon Cooks, who's going to step into that number one wide receiver role now in Houston. Could be a league winner here. And Kiki QT also gets a bump as the slot man. And finally, wanted to mention fifth round rookie wide receiver Isaiah Coulter. He's an interesting name to add in deeper leagues or at least your watch list because Coulter could step into some significant target share down the stretch with Fuller suspended here. So do we actually expect this suspension to start right now? Because that's the report I saw. But typically we see an appeals process. We see this actual suspension delayed at least a couple weeks. Yeah, so I think for off-field issues, the NFL generally wants to wait until, you know, the trial proceedings clear and, and see what the courts mm. say first. Okay. Um, but with this PED suspension, you know, it sounds like Fuller could appeal, but he's already accepted that. So oh, he has. I, I, okay. Well, from the Instagram post, that's what it sounds like. So okay. maybe don't drop him until we get confirmation, but it does sound like the, the suspension will be effective immediately. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do. I would expect him to take it and take the sentencing, so to speak, whatever word you want to use with it. That got heavy. I, I still think I, he probably made the right play, though. He probably bulked himself up from a hamstring and, and uh, soft tissue perspective. He performed extremely well. I think he's still going to be able to cash this into a contract. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of the contract, I think that's the other reason I would expect this suspension yeah. to take place immediately because he wants his new team to right. get, you know, his full services, right? It's going to hurt right. his negotiating power if he's going to be suspended next year rather than the end of this season. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd actually try and go ahead and get him in a dynasty format if I were you. Off season, you have to probably. Uh, I mean, maybe, but what's the most you would pay for him? For a guy who's going to miss at least the first week with uh, of next year with injury issues, we don't know where he's going to sign. Uh, I do. I probably do a late first for him. Mm, see, for me, I, I probably wouldn't pay more than a mid second. I've never been very high on Fuller staying healthy, and you know, this sounds like it. You know, it, I hate to say it, but it sounds like the PEDs are potentially why he's managed to stay healthy thus far this year. Yeah, but when it's for an injury rather than for performance, because the performance has always been there for him. We're not we're not looking at this like like a baseball player where you where you're juicing up to smack 70 home runs or 74 home runs. Um, th this is to overcome injuries and really bulk up 
you know, muscle tone for, for an injury perspective. I think he may be over this, honestly. Well, I mean, I think you'll be acquiring him in some leagues and I will not be them. <laughs> there we go. Uh, it's all about that price point and you know, that's fine. It's certainly, you know, we've seen his upside this year when healthy. So I understand paying up that late first form. It's just not for me. Yep. All right. I'm going to take the Colts here. Yeah. I'm going to take the Colts as well. All right. So moving on, uh, we're going to kick off the Sunday afternoon games here with the LA Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. Man, that 49ers defense looked rejuvenated, uh, really yeah. gave the Rams a lot of trouble. But, sure did. you know, even with New England struggles against this Cardinals defense, I think that's more on New England. I, I feel fine starting Goff, Cup, and Woods here. Um, as for the messy running back by committee, though, Cam Akers, he was the most efficient for sure with 84 yards and a touchdown. But still, that was on just nine carries compared to 10 for Daryl Henderson and three carries for Malcolm Brown. And then, Brown also led as a receiver with three targets uh, with just one for Henderson, none for acres. This remains a backfield to definitely avoid all of these Rams running backs, just desperation RB fours. I'd probably start Gio Bernard over any of them. I would too. I was really hoping you were going to say something like that. I, I was worried a little bit. Um, so no, right, right on the button there. I, I think, um, I don't think Arizona has an answer for Cooper cup this game though. I, I do expect not necessarily Patrick Peterson to shadow Robert Woods, but he's going to give him trouble. The running backs are, are going to be sort of not hit. I mean, we, we talked about them already, but I think Cooper cup really has an opportunity here. I will be starting him in my league, so that's for sure. There you go. I'd start Woods, too, but we, we have seen Peterson uh, shadow him. I just sort of realized, wow, it's week 13. They haven't played each other yet, and it's a divisional matchup, but they play again week 17, so makes sense. Right. Yeah, same with you know the Bears, who just played the Packers, right? Right. But that was week 12. This is week 13. Sure, sure. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> um, on the Cardinals side here, Kyler Murray was able to play through that shoulder injury against the Patriots, but the concern here for fantasy GMs is that he didn't run much, especially near the goal line. So that's a concern. Instead, we saw Kenyon Drake getting a lot of carries inside the red zone near the goal line, came away with two touchdowns as a result. And, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the show, you know, it's if you're if you win this week and you're in the playoffs, it, it wouldn't be crazy to me if you wanted to bench Murray this week against the tough Rams defense. He's still trying to protect that shoulder, so might not be running as much and padding his stats with the rushing production. I, I don't know. What do you think? Is that crazy? I don't think it's crazy, but I just don't think that's what's going to happen. I, I think that this defensive line is going to have Kyler Murray run around at the field, and he's going to have a 60-yard rushing day for you. I, I think he'll be just fine. I'm not fading anybody here. Okay, so you wouldn't bench him for, say, Taysom Hill against Atlanta? No. Okay, what about Tua or Ryan Fitzpatrick against Cincinnati here? No. Okay, so certainly not Cousins or Rivers? No. Okay. Um, you know, let, let's move up the list a little bit then. Cause I am curious, you know, sure. how, how high or low you are um, yeah. on Kyler this week. Let's say Ryan Tannehill against Cleveland. No, I think I would be fine with Tannehill there. Uh, Tennessee's on a mission right now. Okay. And it sounds like you would take Kyler over Goff on the other side here. Oh, without question. I, I'm not even starting Goff here. Okay, what about Roethlisberger against Washington? 
So that brings other things into perspective. If Connor's definitely missing, not that he's done much, I'd probably take Roethlisberger just because he's really shown the ability to use those three wide receivers. He could have a four-touchdown day in the air. Okay. What about Justin Herbert against the Patriots? Mm-hmm. Give me Keller. Okay. Rodgers against Philly? Rodgers. All right. Allen against San Francisco? <sighs> Allen's worrying me a little bit, actually. I, I Although I'd probably still take Allen. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a decision to be made here, right? He's yeah. not just a yep. locked in top three guy like he has been. Yep. So worth considering, um, you know, that's one of the tough calls that you guys will have to make this week. Uh, well, you With know, Goff, you can, is Goff that high in like quote unquote expert projection order? No, but I mean, Arizona has given up, you know, I think they're top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. So certainly yeah. not a bad matchup for them. Are you starting Goff over Kyler? Probably not. Um, okay. As a as a tight as a quarterback one. Sorry, what's that? As a as a top twelve quarterback. Um, he's right there. I mean, oh, he's looked so bad so often though. I I just can't. I just. But can't I mean, rely at him. look at your options, right? Do you trust Cam Newton against the Chargers? Yes, I would. Over Goff. Yes. Ooh, is is there a bet that I'm hearing here potentially? Sure. We're we're low on bets. I like beating you. All right. I'll uh, I'll take <laughs> I'll take Jared Goff over Cam Newton in week 12 in fantasy um, points. What it was week 13, uh, I'm sorry. Just regular standard PPR scoring. Yeah, just the usual quarterback scoring. Okay. Uh, uh I will take Cam Cam Cameron Cam, Cam Cameron what's his first Cameron Cameron Newton New England right. Patriots quarterback Sounds good. We'll see. I think that'll be a close one, but uh what a terrible like, bet. What, what did you just con me into? <laughs> I mean, I think that's a pretty close call, right? Yeah, I do. All right, but uh you know, again, Kyler Murray uh versus other quarterbacks at least a question this week, if you've got uh, your specific quarterback you're thinking about starting over him, you can find us on Twitter. There you go. Let us know. I am going to lean the Rams here. I am leaning Arizona, so that might uh, that might shed a little light on the way we feel about things, huh? Sure does. I, I think the Rams defense played very well down the stretch here, and I am nervous as uh, someone who has Kyler Murray in a league along with Aaron Rodgers. I'll definitely be starting Rodgers. Not a point worth laboring but i think worth mentioning um it's drake over edmonds pretty solid it's been solidified correct mm, is it i think so why 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 do you say that because he's dominated the carries at a 75 percent clip and he was only one target behind edmonds edmonds has not really shown as much of anything in the two weeks he's been uh, that uh, that drake's been back okay i i do agree that it's drake um, however, that said, would it shock you that Drake only played 55% of the snaps against new England? Now, granted he got the goal line carries, which is the most important part, but it's also tough to run on the Rams. So again, I do agree that it's Drake given that he's getting more of the receiving work. 
Um, but I think we could also see a little bit more Edmonds this week if the Rams kind of pull ahead, which, you know, I'm projecting them to win. You're projecting the Cardinals win. So, again, that plays into how we're looking at this matchup here. Certainly does. But, yeah, I mean, I think I would lean Drake over Edmonds, but I think it's still pretty close. Okay. All right. I think we've uh, hammered that one into the ground. All righty. Uh, next game here, the New York Giants at the Seattle Seahawks. It sounds like Daniel Jones is going to be out for multiple weeks here with that hamstring injury. Colt McCoy under center kills a lot of the fantasy potential here, I got to say. Um, Evan Ingram, I've downgraded to just a low end tight end one. Hard to trust him, low floor and ceiling with Colt McCoy. And then Wayne Gallman, with as long as Devontae Freeman's out, he's still an RB3 or flex option with that volume that he's seeing. Could see even more carries if the Giants try not to put too much on Colt McCoy's plate, but the offense overall is probably going to be less efficient. So that kind of offsets that. I, I, I still think Gallman's a solid flex, though. Completely agree. Maybe a back-end running back, too, even, because uh, they are going to lean more. And, and we've seen Colt McCoy take starts um, from other quarterbacks and injury replacement. He, he's he's not lighting the world on fire. He's not going to maintain the upside that these, uh, that these receivers have. I don't think Slayton is remotely startable. Uh, it's just, it's just Shepard and Ingram and, and they're severely limited in their upside. Yeah. Shepard would probably be the one wide receiver I'd go with as well. Uh, you know, 2020 man, who, who yeah. thought we would see Colt McCoy, Brandon Allen, Andy Dalton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not pretty. I think I, I saw a tweet. I think it's been like 57 or 58 different starting quarterbacks this year. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, yeah, Rod Taylor, was, uh... Jacoby Brissett. Yep. We've seen a lot of guys here. You can tack on uh, RG3 once Wednesday hits. Yeah, that too. Yep. <laughs> All right. So on the Seahawks side here, we'll see how they look tonight. But, you know, Wilson, Carson, Metcalf, Lockett, these are all guys you're starting here. Um, one thing to look out tonight, I think, is going to be the snap share between Will Disley and Jacob Hollister with Greg Olson on IR. If one of these tight ends takes a majority of the workload, could be a decent ad given the awful state of the tight ends right now. Certainly, uh, certainly worth keeping an eye on. Um, neither has really uh, done anything dominant thus far in this game. But Seahawks getting off to a bit of a slow start versus the Eagles. I do not expect the Giants to put up much to uh, slow them down, though. Yep. And uh, I'm going to take Seattle here. Seattle, please. All right. Next up, uh, Philly at Green Bay. Uh, again, another team playing right now. We're going to see how the Eagles look. Um, we'll see if there's a quarterback change that's made tonight. Uh, there was talk about Jalen Hurts taking first team reps earlier this oh, week. So my. right now it's been Carson Wentz, uh, but he's 0 for 4. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Um, in fact, uh, they have zero passing yards, zero receiving yards, and one rushing yard. So it's not pretty so far. Um, I understand that it's still the first quarter, but still, that's, uh, that's what we call hashtag not good. I mean, against the Seattle defense, come on. Well, I, I will say the Seahawks defense has been playing better. Uh, they got Jamal Adams back, which was huge for the secondary. And then when they got Carlos Dunlap, uh, that was big for their pass rush. So, you know, I, I think they're a better defense than they were the first half of the year. But at the Fair same enough. time, just zero yards, one rushing yard. like oof. Sounds a lot like the uh, Chiefs defense of two years ago. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um you're not wrong there. Um, one last note on the Eagles here. Zach Hurts, he's available in far too many leagues. We'll talk about it more on the waiver wire section. But oh, it doesn't no. matter who 
is, you know, who's under center for this offense because there, there's really nothing out there at tight end. So if he's out there and you need help, he's worth an ad. I, I disagree, but well, that's fine. I mean, if you're relying on Logan Thomas, guys like that, and yes, Zach Ertz is I out would there. Take, I would take Logan Thomas over Zach Ertz. Ertz is done. I wish it weren't the case. He's a fun player. He's great. I think, unfortunately, the uh, the slow start to his career with all the injuries has finally caught up to him. I think, I mean, if you can sell him as a dynasty asset, it's time to get out. I, I do not think at this point or any point forward, he's a startable tight end in fantasy. So I guess my argument is here, um, is this, right? Uh, we saw Jason Witten was a top 10 fantasy tight end in PPR formats, even with his dad runs for like three or four years before he Ertz retired. Is no Witten, man. Ertz is no Witten. I understand that, but if he goes to, uh, you know, a team where he gets volume, then, you know, he still has value in PPR formats. Certainly no longer, you know, a top five guy, but, you know, given the state of tight ends right now, he still has value. I mean, I'm going to keep disagreeing with you. He doesn't have the route running or skills of, of Jason Witten. There's a reason Jason Witten continued to produce. He is a good route runner. He knows how to find the holes. Ertz relied on his athleticism. He is not a route runner in that capability. He is done. I wish it weren't the case. I like him, but he's done. All right. So you're saying he's going to more go quietly into the night like Delaney Walker. I do. I do. Hmm. All right. We'll see. And it's sad because Delaney Walker's got six years on him, doesn't he? Yeah, well, Walker also didn't really get a starting gig until late into his career. So, but anyway, we won't get too far sidetracked here. Um, let's move on to Green Bay. Since There's returning season for that, right? Yeah, definitely. We'll have plenty to talk about in Dynasty because we just don't know a lot going forward into 2021. Nope. All right. Um, for the Packers, you know, Aaron Jones, since he returned from his calf injury in week nine, he's averaged just 13.4 PPR points per game. However, that's been good enough to make him the number nine fantasy running back over that span, which really just goes to show how decimated the position has been by injuries this year. Yeah. So ask me what percentage I am worried about Aaron Jones and his workload. I would guess like 15, zero, zero percent worried. No concern. He's totally fine. Do not be scared off by Jamal Williams. I would have started uh, my running back three against Chicago. If I had the opportunity to, to give my best running back, the rest heading into the end of the season, he's got a great lineup heading into your fantasy playoffs. He will dominate for you. Yeah, definitely. Weeks 14 through 16, he gets Detroit, Carolina and Tennessee. So should be a strong RB one down the stretch here. Yep. Um, I guess some people might be concerned about Devonte Adams just with the return of Al Lazard looking pretty darn good. Uh, had a little scary hit, but got, got up, got back in the game, more power to him. Robert Tunyon had a touchdown. I am not concerned about Devonte Adams at all, but I do think that Lazard has some flex available. Yeah. Flex I, I, value. I think uh, Lazard is going to be a matchup dependent wide receiver three or flex. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, if any, to me, I'd have Tunyon over Ertz all day, every day. I think it comes down to the matchup because Tunyon, I think Tunyon disappears in games where they don't really need him. Um, Whereas, you know, the bears are weaker, you know, in the middle of the field. So he got some more usage last night at the end of the day. I think Tunyon's going to be a touchdown dependent tight end too. agree. I completely agree. But, but who isn't right now? Right. 
I, yeah, I would say I would lean Ertz over Tunyon, but I'd have no issue if you wanted to roster Tunyon over him. It's I'd have no. I'd have no issue if you wanted to have a uh, final four weeks of the season total points bet based on Robert Tunyon versus Zach Ertz. Um, I'll pass just because oh. the Packers. The Packers have a super easy schedule down the stretch. So that's, uh, I think that's my main reason here, right? They get, uh, they get the Eagles, the Lions, the Panthers yeah, and the Titans. Ertz, quote unquote. Okay. Okay. You know what? I mean, you have, you might have a point there. I'll, I'll give you that one. Thank you. But, but I do think that Ertz is worth rostering over probably a lot of tight ends right now. Like, Jared Cook isn't doing anything with Taysom I mean, Hill. yeah, you're right. There are 32 teams, and each one of them rosters three tight ends. So so there are a lot more. There are a lot of tight ends I would pass them over. I mean, would you rather have Mike Kosicki, knowing that Tua is going to be back at some point? Yes. Huh. All right. I would have um, neither, but yes, I would rather have Kosicki. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. We'll move and on here. And Shaheen, for that matter. Oh, shut up. No, you didn't. I am completely serious, dude. I maybe I shouldn't be giving you all these, uh, all these pointers since we're in our dynasty league together, you know? Well, I see that Adam Shaheen is still a free agent in our league together. So I feel said free. I would have, no, 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 no. I said I would have neither, but I'd rather have Shaheen. Oh, okay. All right. Well, if you, if you feel like it, he's all yours, man. Just saying. Yeah, thanks. I'll dive in. Or, I mean, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bid like thirty fab dollars. So if you want them, just you know. You know, you're gonna make uh, Dan bid like thirty six right now. No, that's all right. I mean, whoever I can get to bid a little bit on Adam Shaheen, I'll call it a win. <laughs> Absolutely, we're taking Green Bay, right? Yes, sir. All right, let's move on here. Uh, New England at the LA Chargers is gonna be the next game up. Patriots offense really looked putrid against the Cardinals and it's tough to trust anyone this week against a chargers defense. That's revitalized a little bit with the return of Joey Bosa here. Really? I think the best option from a fantasy perspective is James white, who should be a solid flex in PPR with upside. you know, we talked about him as our top waiver ad at the running back position on last week's show. You're not wrong, but I, I'm going to temper your excitement with the news that Sony Michelle was healthy, but did nothing this game. I don't expect him to not do anything. He's going to have carries, uh, especially with Rex Burkhead out. Um, and that's just going to limit James white the way he's been all season. Those two touchdowns were James white's two first touchdowns of the season this year. Uh, I'm not leaning on. Yeah. I, I, on the other hand, expect Sony Michelle to do basically nothing. So I'm not yeah. too worried about his return. Um, I think if anything, I mean, he'll do nothing into, but soak up, you know, a couple carries and that couple carries could be enough. You're right. But I think that's going to get taken away more so from Damian Harris than James white. Mm, Cause they're, true. cause they're utilized in different ways. Yeah, and I think Harris true. overlaps more with Michelle than white. Yeah. does. I can't start Harris anymore. I mean, it was, it was great. Nice to see you, but bye bye buddy. No, nor I don't think anybody should have been, but um, on the other side here, the Patriots were able to contain Kyler Murray's rushing. So, you know, it's just, it's tough to see them stopping Justin Herbert. I know he's a rookie, but, and Belichick will have some tricks up his sleeve, but I think Herbert's yeah. a fine start. He's still a top 12 quarterback for me this week. Um, or excuse me, not Herbert. Uh, 
Yeah, Cam, Justin. Yeah, Herbert, Justin Herbert. You're right. Yeah, sorry, I got mixed up here. Um, yeah, I, I would still be fine starting Keenan Allen. He's used in the slot plenty, so I don't think Stephon Gilmore's a concern here. And it was encouraging to see the volume that Austin Eckler got in his first game back here. I think you're firing him up as a PPR RB one rest of the season. It was the it was the most looks he's had all season. So yeah. All right. Um, anything to add on the Chargers here? Um. I am a little worried that his return did crush Mike Williams' value, but Herbert likes to take those shots downfield. So I, I think he will be a fine wide receiver three flex play, um, you know, but but he just sort of fades back into that spot where you can't necessarily rely on him like you'd like to. Yeah, Williams is a boomer bust guy. He's just, his average up the target is insanely high. And, you know, yeah. he's either going to catch a long touchdown or he's not. And, I would probably avoid Williams here this week. Yeah, this was the toughest one for me to pick here. Uh, I, I think I think everything points to the Chargers, but how many games do I need to see the Chargers choke away? Now, new coaching, new regime, new quarterback. May, maybe it's time for things to change. I'm going to pick the Chargers. You know, on paper, I think the Chargers are the better team, but as you said, they continue to choke away games, make idiotic mistakes. I mean, they ran, uh, they had running plays with, you know, 10 seconds left on the clock trying to come back against the bills. And they also ran a QB sneak in that situation, which makes absolutely zero sense here. I'm just going to lean the Patriots a more disciplined yeah. team, especially on defense and special teams, I think is going to be, you know, the turning point and potentially in this game. So I'm still going to stick with new England here. I expect you to pick that one up on me. Can I abstain? <laughs> you sure can't. <laughs> um, all right. So hopefully I'll pick up a game on you there. We'll see. I, yeah, I think that that one could certainly go either way though. Cause like yep. I said, at this point, the Chargers are the better team on paper. So yeah. it comes down to execution and that's where I, I put the Belichick factor into play. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're right, but I, I just can't make myself make the switch. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Sunday night football, Denver at Kansas city. It sounds like drew lock and the other quarterbacks, uh, were close contacts, uh, high risk, close contacts to Jeff Driscoll. So they may not actually have COVID. And if that's the case and they test negative, um, they could be back for this one. We'll see. Uh, Phil Lindsay had a minor knee injury. He might miss a game or two, though it doesn't sound too serious. But if he, so we could see a lot of dump offs to Melvin Gordon in garbage time this week. Well, I think he was back in after that. I thought that was pretty early in the game, no? Yeah, but it's uh, they're saying he's still questionable for this really? week. We'll okay. Yeah, sometimes we do see those injuries. The patients get back in, or <laughs> the the character, the players get back in. They have that adrenaline going for them, and then uh, then they notice just how hurt they are in the coming days. So yeah, Gordon does get that uh, does get that volume. Um, I don't love it regardless. Uh, Tim Patrick is the best picket wide receiver in my opinion, assuming they do have a quarterback this week. Yeah, all of this is contingent on Locke returning. If it's, yeah. uh, what is it, Kendall Hinton again? Oh, um, good. Great. Then uh, you're not starting. You're not starting any <laughs> any Broncos player. No, you're not even you're not even getting the cheap start of, of Hinton into your flex or wide receiver spot. Not worth it. I'm sorry, pal. Yeah. Um, on the Kansas City side here, just an absolutely monster day for Tyree Kill against that Buccaneers defense. Yeah. Um, you know, 
the Chiefs have really embraced their strengths, uh, you know, as the season has progressed. Per Jacob Gibbs on Twitter, they have passed uh, they passed on 65.4% of their neutral situation dropbacks in the first six weeks of the season. But wow. since week seven, uh, they've thrown on 70.8% of their neutral situation dropbacks. So they're going pass heavy. They know they have the best quarterback in the league, and they're using them. Yeah, I, I think they learned a lot from a couple of games, um, namely that Vegas Raiders game. I think they realized if they got up on Vegas early, Vegas could not have executed that game plan to keep them down. Uh, this is definitely a team that likes to play on top and stay on top. But if they get in a hole, they could certainly dig out of it, but they, they just do seem to play better on top. I think that was the game plan here versus Tampa Bay. Go guns ablaze and put up as many points as you can on Tom Brady. And it worked. Now, did they take their foot off the accelerator? Did Tampa make an adjustment? I, I don't know what uh, what slowed Mahomes and company down in the in the second half. Yeah, I mean they really focused more on Hill as they should have. Um, you know, yeah. have have some safety coverage over the top for for goodness sake. But um, you know that led to more Travis Kelsey. So it's kind of like a pick your poison. Um, they could have had like a 90 yard touchdown to McCole Hardman, uh, a bit overthrown slash dropped. So, you know, if you're going to take away Hill, someone else is going to step up and it's just really hard to stop Patrick Mahomes. That's for sure. That's, That's for sure. Right. I don't know. Maybe they were, maybe they were focused more on Kelsey. I don't know. Yeah. That's my, um, that's my fantasy analysis is that Patrick Mahomes is good. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got that right, bud. But in all honesty, you know, Hill and Kelsey are number one and number two in receiving yards right now across the league. So Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey are going to be league winners, barring injury or COVID, knock on wood here. Um, Did Kelsey, he jumped McLaurin? Yeah, he did. Oh, good for him. Hey. Yeah. And I liked your uh, your text to me because in one league you have Mahomes and I have both Hill and Kelsey. Oh. <laughs> so if uh, if we do meet in the fantasy playoffs, hopefully this is the kind of game that'll negate your Mahomes. Uh, I'm just hoping for a big time CEH game that day if that's <laughs> what it comes down to. Put, put Bell out there for 30 carries. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um one final note here uh you know the chiefs uh, we didn't talk about them in our streaming defenses but certainly uh you know 43% rostered in ESPN um and 71% rostered in Yahoo that's why they're not on our list because they are mostly rostered but certainly a, a top streaming option if they're available somehow in your league should be played this week all right so we're both taking the chiefs yes you got it all right, now we move to the weird rescheduled games. Um, we've got Monday, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, Washington at Pittsburgh. Uh, my big note here is uh, do not drop J.D. McKissick. Uh, oh, you know what? Real quick game break here. Uh, yep. Jalen Hurts here for a quarterback. Start of a new era? I don't know. We'll see, but uh, certainly something to monitor here. But okay, back to Washington real quick. Um, you were the first uh, person to really talk about JD McKissick to me. Would you agree that you should absolutely not drop him right now? I would not drop him this week against Pittsburgh. That's for darn sure. 
We saw McKissick's usage go down in that Dallas game, which Washington dominated. Washington ain't dominating Pittsburgh at home, ladies and gents. You, I think we all know this. So so this should see. I think we're still going to see Gibson get quite a lot of work. He did overtake uh, McKissick, having seven targets to McKissick's two. Um, but he just has not taken over that job fully. They'd like him to, but uh, I don't think this is the week that it's happened. Yeah, I think game script, as you said, really factored into the usage for Gibson. Um, interesting to note that even with that huge game, he's only had four games this season where he's had more than 50% of the snaps. Yeah. So certainly I, I would not drop McKissick. In fact, no. even if he's rostered in your league, he could be dropped during the waiver run in the mm-hmm. next few days, in which case I would add McKissick. He'll be on our waiver uh, waiver list later in the show. Um, and Terry McLaurin, but that's about it. Yeah. I think, uh, I actually think Logan Thomas has uh, some potential here. I I think Washington, I think Pitt's going to score. I think Washington's going to have to keep the ball moving. Yeah. I don't, I don't love it just because he really didn't do a whole lot, um, outside of the touchdowns, uh, against Dallas and Pittsburgh is a, a much, much tougher, matchup for tight ends than Dallas's. So I would fade Logan Thomas here, but again, it depends on your options, right? Yeah. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Logan Thomas over Zach Ertz though this week. No, no. (laughs) You don't think this coming week we haven't. Oh, come on, man. Mm, I don't know. I, I would, I would go with Ertz against Seattle over Logan Thomas against the Steelers. Hey, Tell me what any guess what Ertz has done here against the Eagles. What? What? What has Ertz done so far against? Uh, sorry, I mixed up my my water birds. What has Zach Ertz done against the Seahawks so far tonight? Well, I mean nothing, but he's still on IR. So. Well, there you go. <laughs> but if he's back against, you know, I'll 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 make that bet if you really want it. Week 13, if Ertz is here, I say he outscores Logan Thomas. All right. And I say whether he's there or not, he will not outscore Logan Thomas. Well, I mean, obviously, if uh, if, if he's, he's out, not then... there, I win, bud. That's how the cookie crumbles. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Let's, let's move on here to the Steelers side. Um, James Conner on the COVID list, definitely something to monitor. Right. Um, Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland are the names we're going to talk about on the waiver wire section. I would project something along the lines of a 60 40 split between Snell and McFarland on Wednesday afternoon, assuming that this game doesn't get pushed yet again. Does that sound about right to you, Los, or do you, do you see it otherwise? You no, know, I think that's about right, but I'd project about. 14 touches for the running backs, about 12 to chase Claypool, and then another 20 between Deontay Johnson and uh, and uh, Juju. See, I actually think this could be a really run-heavy game with Pittsburgh expected to be up a lot. Baltimore's run defense is really struggling with all, with the injuries to the defensive line. I could see this being a big night for Benny Snell. All right, four, uh, tack on four rushes for Chase Claypool. You have me sold. All right. Sounds good to me. Uh, Steelers. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay. That leads us to the regularly scheduled Monday night (laughs) game, uh, (laughs) Buffalo at San Francisco. The 49ers defense is finally healthy. They really, uh, they really gave the Rams a shellacking. So that's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, I probably shy away from any bills player this week, not named Josh Allen or Stefan Diggs. 
We've seen that this whole offense is struggling. The offensive line isn't playing great. And we've seen that Josh Allen struggles a little bit when John Brown is out. So when, with him on IR right now with a high ankle injury, I think there's interesting upside for Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley for the rest of the season, but not this week. John Brown changes the game, just the, uh, changes the offense just the same way that Julio does for Atlanta for whatever reason. Uh, they operate at a much higher tempo, much higher octane with him on the field. So that certainly hurts everybody here. Uh, and like you said, not playing any of the running backs. This this week was probably, uh, uh, oh my goodness, Jonathan Singleton's. Nope, that's not his name. Devin Singletary's uh, highest output for the rest of the season. Yeah, all right. On the on the San Francisco side here, Debo Samuel absolutely exploded against uh, the Rams. Sure He's going to be a strong wide receiver too for as long as Brandon Ayuk remains yeah. out on that COVID list. I do think that Mostert and Samuel are both solid plays here, but Jordan Reed remains interesting as a high end tight end two option. I think Reed uh, he has continued to be the number two guy with Ayuk out and the bills have allowed the third most fantasy points to opposing wide or excuse me, opposing tight ends this year. I agree. He saw the snaps. He saw six targets only converted two here. I think Mullins finds him a little better this week. Yep. This, this was a real tough one for me. Yeah. Um, I could see this game going either way. At the end of the day, for me, this comes down to having a little bit more faith in Josh Allen than I do Nick Mullins. So I'm going to lean Buffalo here, but it would not shock me at all if San Francisco won. That was the exact same thing I had. Okay. Uh, moving on to the final game, uh, Tuesday night at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern. Dallas at Baltimore, of course. Again, this is assuming that Baltimore and Pittsburgh do indeed play on Wednesday this week. But for Dallas, Dalton led the offense to a pretty decent outing for all things yeah. considered. I mean, what, what do you expect from Dalton when they lost their starting left tackle and right tackle on the first drive of the game on Thanksgiving? Um, really, Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott are the only guys who should be playing here. Cooper's uh, a fairly reliable guy. Probably I've got him in that wide receiver three mix. And Elliott's, you know, it hasn't been pretty for him, but the volume is still there on the ground at least. But Tony Pollard uh, is working in more as a receiver. So I've got Elliott as just a RB3 or flex going forward. Are you like a beat writer for Dallas or something? You've, you've got it all, man. I mean, you know, I had a lot of time. That was one of the two games that, uh, you know, I watched on Thanksgiving. So just uh, I watched that whole game. <laughs> There you go. See, well, you should watch all of every game then. We, we, then I, then my job would be even easier. Sure would be, but then why, why would I be paying you? Jeez. I, for my, for my pretty face. Well, I mean, you don't, you don't get paid anyway, just in hugs and kisses. Oh, well, Hey, you know, it counts in my book. It's the Fair thought enough. that counts. All right. Well, we'll find some mistletoe here for this coming holiday season, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> on the Baltimore side here, Sounds like J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram could actually play on Wednesday night against the Steelers, um, but it does sound like Lamar Jackson is definitely ruled out, so we'll see if he can come back for this game on Tuesday against Dallas. If not, RG3 would be an interesting option in DFS, given how bad the Cowboys' defense is. And also worth noting that as of right now, it sounds like Mark Andrews would not be 
through his 10 day quarantine right. for this game. So fantasy GMs should make other plans at tight end. If they've been starting Andrews Los in that league where you picked up Kyle Rudolph, you might want to hold on to him. I intend to uh, either that, or I want to see how, how it goes this coming week. Nick Boyle has not been terrible uh, in the, in the spots where he's needed to step up. So see if he can do anything. Yeah, we'll see. I don't expect much for him against Pittsburgh, but uh, against Dallas could be a different story here. Yep. All right. Uh, I think the Ravens should be able to beat the Cowboys given all of Dallas's injuries on both offense and defense. Well, we'll see how many players make it back for Baltimore too. So this one could actually be pretty close uh, given the Ravens COVID struggles, but I am going to stick with Baltimore. I'm going to take Baltimore as well. Heck, RG3 could have a better passing day than Lamar Jackson showing us all season. You know, how crazy would it be if there were a quarterback controversy in Baltimore down the stretch here? Ooh, that really would be something. I will say, though, I'm rooting for RG3. All the best to him. I mean, yeah, I'm going to come too. back here. Yeah, always seemed like a, like a decent kid. All right, so we only have two teams on by this week. We've got Tampa Bay, so you're going to be missing Tom Brady, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller, and Rob Gronkowski. And then we've got Carolina, so you'll be missing Teddy Bridgewater, Christian McCaffrey, Mike Davis, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, and Ian Thomas. Better days could be ahead for Ronald Jones. Bruce Arians came out and actually said Jones should be getting 20 touches a game. I I don't I didn't expect him to say something like that. It seems like he loves taking the ball out of his hands. So I don't know if that was a motivational speech in some sort of odd way or him recognizing, hey, Jones is pretty darn good. We need to we need him get a get him coached up, get him stopping, dropping balls, get him trained up on the uh, pass pro side and keep him in the game. Yeah, we'll see about that. Certainly, he is the better option over Fournette at this point. Uh, And then for DJ Moore, real quick, it sounds like it was just a simple ankle sprain when he came down awkwardly in the end zone. So that that was the best possible outcome here. We'll see if he misses any time, but it's possible that with the bye week, he could be back as soon as week third or excuse me, week fourteen. Yep. All right, so we've got uh, some COVID list items to go over here. Um, Lamar Jackson is on the COVID list, so we'll see if he's back for Dallas. And then the Denver quarterbacks, again, they might not have been affected. They were just deemed high-risk close contacts to Jeff Driscoll, so there's a chance Mm -hmm. that Drew Locke could return this week. Um, James Conner does have COVID. Uh, He's a cancer survivor, so all the best to him. Hopefully he does not experience any severe symptoms here. Um, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram, it sounds like they will be back for Wednesday, so no issues there. Uh, And then Jonathan Taylor, we mentioned earlier, he was confirmed that he was a close contact and has tested negative, so he should be back this week as well. All right, that'll take us into uh, our quarterbacks, right? Um, I think there's some more COVID. Oh, yes. No, you're right. You're right. My, my mistake, my mistake. Yes, uh, as we know, Adam Thielen missed this week, uh, as did Brandon Ayuk and Larry Fitzgerald as far as the wide receivers go. So keep an eye on how those things move along for them. And Mark Andrews, as we talked about, um, he's going to have a couple extra days here and there with, with all the nonsense going on for the Baltimore games. Uh, these players, again, they're going to need to test negative two days in a row in order to return to practice or play as per the NFL's COVID protocols. Uh, and we're, as we move on to the waiver wire section, remember that most platforms will be processing waivers 
Thursday morning because of Baltimore and play, uh, Pittsburgh playing on Wednesday night. So we saw something earlier like that uh, in the season. I think it was week four. Maybe week five, I guess. Don't quote me on that one. But, yeah, uh, make sure all your waivers are in when, when it's appropriate to have them. And that'll take us into uh, some quarterbacks. Yeah, you want to start it off here? Yeah, I can do that. Sure. Uh, sorry, I just needed a sip of water if I've been uh, sounding silly. All right, that'll take us into our injured quarterbacks. Daniel Jones. Ugh. What a big loss there with the hamstring strain. He's doubtful to play here. The early reports are that the injury was serious enough to potentially hold him out for a couple to multiple weeks. Hopefully you were not relying on him anyway in one quarterback formats, but expect him to be out a while. He does not need to be held in shallow one quarterback formats. Tua Tungvaloa, thumb injury on the throwing hand. He's questionable here. Sounds like Tua was close to playing versus the Jets, but Miami held him out due to an abundance of caution. Keep an eye on his status here. Drew Brees with the fractured ribs and the collapsed lung. He's on the IR. Week 14 versus Philadelphia is the earliest he could return, and his recovery could linger even past that. Now, New Orleans has a decent matchup versus the Eagles secondary week 14 and the Vikings in 16, but in shallow one quarterback formats, Brees is not a must-hold given there's no guarantees he's going to be back for those kyler murray shoulder sprain in his throwing shoulder he's probable he did play versus new england but the concern here is he seems to be rushing a little less to protect the shoulder which resulted in two touchdowns for Kenyon drake murray's still a startable quarterback but he has a tough matchup versus the rams this week if he's not padding his fantasy production with rushing stats it might be advantageous for fantasy gms to consider other options at quarterbacks here gardner Minshew with his thumb surgery recovery he's questionable we'll see if he's healthy enough to start and even if he is we'll see if doug marone wants to stick with glennon or return to Minshew uh, in the lineup Marone's likely gone after the season anyway, after Jack's fire, uh, Jacksonville fired GM Dave Caldwell yesterday. So he has nothing to lose in seeing more from Minshew. He's worth a speculative ad depending on quarterback need. And Jimmy Garoppolo on IR with the high ankle sprain. He's eligible to return this week, so we will see how his ankle's feeling. His return could mean a boost for San Francisco's offense that is struggling to stay in playoff contention. Keep an eye on his practice status here. All right, and at running back, we've got Todd Gurley with that knee soreness. He's questionable. We know that Gurley has arthritis in that knee dating back to his old injury, and that factored into the Rams cutting him. However, it's uncertain whether this soreness is related to that or a new injury. Either way, it's not good that he wasn't able to practice last week. All that said, though, Atlanta is, quote, hopeful that Gurley can return this week, so monitor his practice status closely over the next few days. Josh Jacobs with the ankle sprain. He's questionable. Jacobs left the game versus Atlanta pretty early on with that ankle injury, but the early reports are that it looked worse than it actually is. So the Raiders are optimistic that he won't miss any times with x-rays showing that it was just a sprain. Still, it's worth checking in on his practice status this week. Dalvin Cook with the ankle injury, questionable, much like Jacobs. Uh, you know, it doesn't sound too serious. Uh, Minnesota does not mi- expect Cook to miss any time. But again, it's prudent to check in on his practice status this week. DeAndre Swift with the concussion, he's questionable. Swift was close to playing against Houston on Thanksgiving. He should be back after another 10 days of rest, barring any lingering concussion symptoms here. Philip Lindsay with a knee injury, he's questionable. Sounds like a minor MCL sprain for Lindsay. If that's the case, we could see a heavy dose of Melvin Gordon this week. If Lindsay misses any time, monitor his status over the next few days. 
Well, Michael P. Ryan with an ankle injury, he's on IR. The earliest that P. Ryan could return would be week 15 against the Rams. He wasn't producing much even when healthy, and he can probably be dropped outside of very deep leagues. Joe Mixon with a foot injury on IR. The earliest that Mixon could return is week 14 versus Dallas, which would be a good matchup for him. Week 15 versus the Steelers would be a tough draw, but then week 16 versus the Texans would be another good matchup. Mixon isn't a must-hold depending on roster needs, but if he returns in the fantasy playoffs, he could still be a viable flex play or even more. Christian McCaffrey with a shoulder sprain likely to return in week 14. McCaffrey did begin did begin to practice last week, and with the extra week uh, with Caroline on by here, fantasy GMs who've secured a playoff berth can expect their elite RB1 back in time for the fantasy playoffs, barring any unexpected setbacks here. Miles Gaskin with an MCL sprain. He is probable to return this week. He was eligible to return this past week and sounded close to ready, but Miami held him out to be cautious. Monitor his status this week just in case, but it does sound like he's trending up to return against the Bengals here. Salvin Ahmed, shoulder injury, he's questionable. He could return this week, but with Gaskin expected back, his fantasy valuable excuse me, his fantasy value is questionable, even if he returns here. Ahmed doesn't need to be held outside of deeper formats. Kalen Balaj with a calf slash ankle injury, he's questionable. Again, like Salvin Ahmed, he could return, but with Eckler already back, Balaj's role is likely greatly diminished, even if he's back and doesn't need to be held outside of deep leagues. Devontae Freeman with a hamstring injury, he's on IR. He's eligible to return in week 14 against Arizona. So Freeman is worth holding for the possibility that he'll be back by the fantasy playoffs. That said, Wayne Gallman has looked good and Daniel Jones could be out for the duration of the fantasy playoffs. So he isn't a must hold. David Johnson with the concussion, he's on IR. He is eligible to return this week. So we'll see if he's progressed enough to clear the concussion protocol. And with Will Fuller now suspended, there could be more targets to the running back position. Check for updates on Johnson later this week. And finally, Rashad Penny, a name we haven't talked about much this year. He's still recovering from that ACL injury last year on the pup list. Pete Carroll mentioned that Penny could start practicing this week, but Penny's return this season is still in question. That said, if he were to be activated in the coming weeks, Penny would have some potential and could be worth a preemptive add in deeper leagues where running back depth is very scarce. As for some wide receivers, DJ Moore with the ankle injury. Caroline is on a bye here. Moore landed awkwardly when going up for a pass in the end zone. As of right now, it looks like an ankle sprain with x-rays coming back negative. His status for week 14 versus Denver after Carolina's bye remains in question. But as of now, there's no concerns that Moore's going to miss more than a uh, game or two. DJ Chark, rib injury, questionable. Rib bruises are generally a matter of pain tolerance, so we'll see how he looks and how much he's going to practice this week. Keep an eye on his situation. Julio Jones with a hamstring strain. He's questionable thus far. His hamstring has been bothering him all season. Seems to be a chronic issue here. We'll see if Julio can play this week, but the early report is that Atlanta's hopeful that he'll be back this week. Adam Thielen on the COVID IR, questionable. Uh, Thielen will need to test negative two days in a row to return. We'll see how he's progressing with his recovery. Keep uh, keep tuned for up. Dates on Thielen over the next couple days. Kenny Galladay, hip injury, questionable at this point, but sounded close to returning on Thanksgiving versus Houston, but was unable to. With another 10 days to heal, he could be back on track to return this week for Chicago. Keep an eye on his status. John Brown on IR due to high ankle sprain. 
The earliest Brown could return is week 15 versus Denver, but there's no guarantee that he'll be ready by then with high ankle sprains generally requiring four to six weeks of recovery time. Brown does not need to be held in shallower formats depending on wide receiver availability. Randall Cobb on IR with a foot injury. The earliest Cobb could return is week 15 versus Indianapolis. He was barely flex-worthy even when healthy and doesn't need to be held outside of deep leagues. Preston Williams on IR due to a foot sprain. Williams is eligible to return from IR, but we've yet to hear any updates on him. As of now, it doesn't sound like he's close yet to returning. Williams does not need to be held in most formats, given his production was inconsistent even when healthy earlier in the year. Julian Edelman with knee surgery on the IR. He's yet to be designated to return to practice, so it sounds like he's still a ways off from returning. He's also now on the COVID list and does not need to be held in shallower formats. And Will Fuller suspended six games for PED usage. Not an injury, but his suspension is going to last past last past the end of the fantasy season, so he can be dropped in all redraft formats. And at tight end, we've got Zach Ertz with a high ankle sprain. He's questionable. It sounds like Ertz was close to playing tonight against the Seahawks, but the Eagles ultimately decided that he wasn't ready yet, so monitor his status this week for potential return against the Packers. And Irv Smith Jr. with groin and back injuries, he's questionable. We'll see if Smith is able to return this week against the Jaguars, monitor his practice status over the next few days. All right, and that'll uh, take us back up to quarterbacks. When you have injuries, you need to have a uh, waiver wire app. Taysom Hill, 65% rostered in ESPN, 59% in Yahoo. Hill struggled to produce as a passer versus Denver with just 78 yards, no touchdowns, and one pick. But he continues to have a high floor and ceiling due to his rushing production. He's now rushed for two touchdowns each in back-to-back games, and despite the Falcons' Defense suddenly dominating the Raiders. They've allowed the very most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this year. Tua Tungavailoa, 29% rostered in ESPN, 25% in Yahoo. Ryan Fitzpatrick, about 20% in both both of those formats. Depending on Tua's thumb, Miami's starting quarterback this week is going to be a solid option versus a struggling Cincinnati defense that's easier to throw on than to run against, as they've given up the 13th most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this season. Kirk Cousins, 20% rostered in ESPN, 40% in Yahoo. Cousins has been playing well and has actually been the number eight quarterback in fantasy over the last four weeks. With Dalvin Cook banged up a bit, even if Cook plays, Minnesota could choose to throw more to preserve him for the stretch run. Cousins has high upside versus a Jacksonville secondary that allows the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this season. Philip Rivers, 13% rostered in ESPN, 33 in Yahoo. Rivers has gotten into a groove since the Colts buy and is playing well. He'll get a Houston defense this week that struggled all year. It's concerning that Indianapolis could lean on the run against a weak Texans run defense. But even so, Rivers has a decent floor and some upside here. And Derek Carr, 58% rostered in ESPN, 57 in Yahoo. We recommended Carr as our top streaming option last week's show, and that was clearly a disaster. Uh, there was nothing to suggest Atlanta's sudden defensive resurgence and Las Vegas's inability to get anything going on offense. That said, if you have no better options, expect John Gruden's fury and ingenuity to get this offense back on track this week versus a Jets defense that's top five in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. And at running back, again, our top ad is going to be James White, 48% roster in ESPN, 62 in Yahoo. We talked about White last week already as the top waiver ad, with Rex Burkhead lost for the season, and he promptly scored two touchdowns against Arizona. White should have a hefty role going forward, even with Sony Michelle back, and remains the top priority ad this week with scant options at this point in the year. 
J.D. McKissick, 74% ESPN, 59% in Yahoo. It was the Antonio Gibson show with Washington leading against an already poor Dallas defense on Thanksgiving, and Dallas proceeded to lose two additional defensive linemen starters. But McKissick remains a viable flex option in PPR with upside in games where Washington isn't expected to win, which is this week against Pittsburgh. Put McKissick on your watch list, even if he's rostered in your league, as it's possible that he could be dropped during the waiver run after a dud on national TV on Thanksgiving. Ito Smith, 1% rostered in ESPN and Yahoo. And Brian Hill, 36% ESPN, 46% in Yahoo. With Gurley out against the Raiders, Smith and Hill split the carries 50-50, but it was Hill uh, excuse me, it was Smith who was utilized more as a receiver out of the backfield with four catches for 10 yards on five targets compared to no catches for Hill on just one target. If Gurley were to miss more time, both are flex-worthy with Smith being the higher priority in PPR formats given his passing game usage. Wayne Gallman, 59% ESPN, 78% in Yahoo. Since Devontae Freeman's injury, Gallman has been a top 12 fantasy running back in points per game since week seven. Freeman could return soon, but until then, Gallman remains a viable RB2 based on volume of touches, especially near the goal line. Though the loss of Daniel Jones for a few games hurts the Giants offense overall, it could also lead to a more heavy run scheme to mask Colt McCoy's deficiencies, leading to even more touches for Gallman. Benny Snell, 25% ESPN. 35% Yahoo, and Anthony McFarland, 3% ESPN, and 6% in Yahoo. We talked about Snell on last week's show as a potential preemptive pickup, and we certainly didn't protect, excuse me, predict that Connor would get COVID, but this is exactly why high upside handcuffs should be rostered at this point in the season as we approach the fantasy playoffs. The Ravens roster is devastated by injury and COVID infections, so we could see a lot of Snell on Wednesday night. However, the rookie McFarland could see some work as, as well and is worth an add in deeper leagues. And finally, Connor is a cancer survivor, and we hope that he'll have a quick recovery with no severe issues, but there is a chance that he could miss extended time. It's shocking that Snell and McFarland are rostered in so few leagues and in leagues where bench players can be dropped for free agent additions. It would be advantageous to add Snell and or McFarland for free if you're listening to this podcast prior uh, to the Wednesday game between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Frank Gore, 19% ESPN, 25% Yahoo. It wasn't pretty, but with Michael P. Ryan on IR, Gore was a workhorse with 18 carries and three catches on three targets against the Dolphins. He gets a Raiders defense this week that allows the third most fantasy points to opposing running backs and just gave up a combined 120 yards and a touchdown to the Falcons running backs. Devontae Booker, 5% in ESPN, 9% in Yahoo. It sounds like Josh Jacobs is okay, but we've seen with players like David Johnson and Joe Mixon that they could be, according to reports, right up until they land on IR. Booker is a must-add for fantasy GMs relying on Josh Jacobs, and he's a worthwhile stash even for teams who don't have Jacobs on their rosters. Booker would be a flex play with upside if Jacobs were to miss this week's game. And just in case some of these injured players that we talked about in section were dropped in your league, it's worth at least double-checking the waiver wire for them. They could return soon and be potential pieces to 
bolster your roster for the playoff run. Miles Gaskin is just 69% rostered in both ESPN and Yahoo formats. David Johnson is down to 82% ESPN, 81% in Yahoo. And Joe Mixon is down to 91% in ESPN, 88% in Yahoo. So they're out there in some leagues. Yeah, I actually added Joe Mixon straight to my IR in a league. So um, you may think these things never happen, but they do. You know, uh, teams get uh, crunched for roster spots, and sometimes people just do crazy stuff. And that'll take us into wide receivers. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Debo Samuel, who, of course, plays for your San Francisco 49ers, 61% rostered in ESPN, 56% Yahoo. We talked about Sam. That is ridiculously low. Oh, my goodness. Uh, We talked about Samuel as a priority ad last week with him likely to return from the hamstring injury, and he was a target magnet for Nick Mullins, even in tough matchups. Shanahan uses Samuel on sweeps and gets him into space. He is the top priority ad at wide receiver as a wide receiver three, if not better this week, with upside going forward. Curtis Samuel, 76 in ESPN, 64 in Yahoo. Samuel is rostered in most leagues, but he's worth mentioning with the injury to DJ Moore. If Moore misses time, Samuel would be a potential wide receiver, two for those games that he's not in. Even with Carolina on a bye, he's worth a preemptive ad and hold through the bye in case we get news of Moore missing a game or two. Michael Pittman, 38% rostered in ESPN, 58 in Yahoo. We've mentioned last week that Pittman is worth adding given his high upside but remains boom or bust. Even with a disappointing performance in the loss to Tennessee, it's worth noting that Pittman saw a season-high nine targets. He remains a boom or bust flex going forward, but he's worth a look depending on your options at wide receiver. Sterling Shepard, 61% rostered in ESPN, 52% rostered in Yahoo. The Daniel Jones injury hurts the entire Giants offense, but Shepard is probably getting the most high percentage routes among the wide receivers. He's the most likely Giants wide receiver to continue having a decent PPR floor as the checkdown option for Colt McCoy. Brandon Ayuk, 59% in ESPN, 71 in Yahoo. Debo Samuel had a big day versus the Rams, but let's not forget that Ayuk also had a big highlight reel plays before landing on the COVID list. Ayuk's return would likely hurt Samuel's target volume, but Ayuk would be a boomer bust wide receiver three with upside in this creative Shanahan offense. He could be activated off the COVID list soon if he tests negative for consecutive days. So it would be best to add him for cheap before he plays. Just Reynolds, 11% roster in ESPN, 9% Yahoo. Reynolds has surprisingly seen more targets than Robert Woods since week six. We'll see how the target share is split uh, tonight. But if, uh, well, we saw how the target share was split uh, Sunday is what I mean to say. Um, If he continues to be involved in the Rams passing offense, he could be a wide receiver three with league winning upside in a very easy fantasy playoff schedule versus the weak Patriots, Jets, and Seahawks secondaries. Isaiah Coulter, not rostered. If you're looking for an upside stash, Texans rookie wide receiver Isaiah Coulter is likely to fill in for Will Fuller on the outside during his suspension. He's not a reliable option just yet, but the rookie has upside catching passes from Deshaun Watson, and it's worth a look in deeper formats. Denzel Mims, 5% and 7% respectively, and Brashad Perriman, 14 and 12 only. If you're desperate, the Jets are trailing in every game. And so even in an inefficient offense, both Mims and Perriman are seeing decent target volume. They're wide receiver fours with some modicum of upside if Sam Darnold can get back into a groove. And as for the Vikings, Olabisi Johnson, 0% across the board, and Chad Beebe, also about 0 across the board. If you have no better options, and Adam Thielen 
remains on the COVID list another week. Both Johnson and Beebe saw seven targets each, and both wide receivers caught all of their targets and touchdown apiece. They face a Jacksonville secondary that's top 10 in fancy points allowed to opposing wide receivers, and they just gave up 143 yards and a touchdown to Jarvis Landry alone. Both are desperation wide receiver fives with no floor, but decent enough ceilings. And at tight end, we've got Jordan Reed, 15% in ESPN, 25% in Yahoo, and Ross Dwelly, 1% in both formats. Reed was again second on the team in targets for the second week in a row against the Rams. It didn't translate to production against the tough LA defense, but Buffalo this week should bear more fruit with the Bills allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Dwelly should be added in deeper formats for if slash when Reed gets hurt as he's been prone to. Robert Tunyon, 46% in ESPN, 61% in Yahoo. Tunyon remains a touchdown-dependent tight end, too, who is third in the pecking order behind Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. But Tunyon gets another good matchup this week against an Eagles secondary that allows the sixth-most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. He's worth another start if you picked him up last week against Chicago. Austin Hooper, 67% ESPN, 71% Yahoo. We recommended Hooper last week, and he came through with a touchdown against the Jaguars. His target volume is still iffy with Cleveland running, leaning on the run, but Hooper has another good matchup this week against the Titans defense that's top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. They just gave up 42 yards and a touchdown to Trey Burton this past week as well. Zach Ertz, 62% ESPN, 59% Yahoo. Dallas Goddard is now rostered in the vast majority of leagues, but Ertz remains available in quite a few. We'll see how the Eagles offense looks tonight with Jalen Hurts taking over, but Ertz has a chance to step back into decent target volume upon his return, which could be as soon as this week. He's worth a speculative ad given the current state of tight ends in fantasy. Finally, Kyle Rudolph, 14% ESPN, 15% Yahoo. If Irv Smith remains out this week, Rudolph is worth a stream against the Jacksonville secondary that's top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. They've already given up nine touchdowns to tight ends this year, including back-to-back games of touchdowns allowed to Eric Ebron and Austin Hooper over the last two weeks. All right. I was just taking a look at this game, and uh, it looks like once it looks like they're going back and forth. So as the old adage goes, if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. So Philadelphia is going to need to find some answers soon. Man, I don't know what they're doing. Jeez. All right. Uh, that'll take us in defenses. Sorry for that brief interlude. Seattle, 53% rostered in ESPN, 59 in Yahoo. The Seahawks defense has been playing much better since the return of Jamal Adams and the addition of Carlos Dunlap. They should be able to get after Colt McCoy this week, who manages 31 passing yards versus a poor Cincinnati secondary in the second half following Daniel Jones's hamstring injury. Green Bay's DST, 47 in ESPN, 67% Yahoo. We mentioned Green Bay last week as a strong streaming option versus Chicago, and they came through with three sacks, two interceptions, and a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Not bad. We'll see how Philly looks tonight with Wentz and or Hurts, both of them. Not great. Spoiler alert. But Green Bay should definitely be worth another start here at home versus this offense. Las Vegas Raiders, uh, 4% ESPN, 9% Yahoo. The Raiders did look awful in their collapse versus Atlanta this past week, and the defense has been mediocre at best. That said, if you're desperate, the Jets have allowed the second most fantasy points to opposing defenses this year. So Vegas is definitely worth a look. And finally, Tampa Bay, 67% roster in ESPN, 54% for now. 
The Bucks are on a bye this week, but for fantasy GMs that have already locked up a playoff spot, they could be worth a preemptive ad to hold this week, especially if they get dropped during the bye week here. Tampa Bay's defense has not scored more than six fantasy points since their week six drubbing of Green Bay, and they just allowed a career day to Tyreek Hill. That said, they were missing their top cornerback, Jamel Dean, due to a concussion versus Kansas City, and expect the Bucks team to be fired up coming off their bye, still fighting for a playoff spot. Plus, here's their schedule. From weeks 14 through 16, your likely fantasy playoffs. Week 14, Minnesota, which allows the 13th most fantasy points to opposing defenses. Week 15, Atlanta, not the best matchup as they're giving up the 11th fewest fantasy points to opposing defenses, but they've allowed at least one sack in every game and have committed five interceptions over the last four games. And week 16, finally, Detroit, 14th most fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. So unless you already have a top DST like Pittsburgh, Miami, Indianapolis, Baltimore, New Orleans, or the Rams, Tampa Bay is probably the best option outside of those for the fantasy playoffs. Yep, definitely worth the preemptive stash, uh, as are quite a few players if you locked off that, locked up that playoff berth. But uh, week 13, it's going to be a crucial matchup here. And, uh, you know, best of luck to all those teams uh, chasing that final playoff spot or two. And best of luck to those who have secured first round buys. It's time to look ahead and, <clears throat> excuse me, look ahead and add players like Tampa Bay, even if they're on a buy this week. As always, if you have more specific questions regarding your team or league for this pivotal final week of the fantasy regular season, we're happy to reply to questions on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And you can find me at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our, of our upcoming podcast episodes. Good luck in week 13, boys and girls. It's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts.